I banged my toe against this, uh, like, tank trap part of the bed that that's supposed to be, like, the, the post that keeps it up off of the ground. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, like, deadly. And I banged my toe, and it hurt and everything. And then I sat down and started to get everything ready. And I noticed my foot was wet. So I went down and checked it. There's, like, a massive amount of blood coming out mm. of my pinky toe. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, toes really bleed, man. Cause the, yeah, they cause, do. Because the blood's the... the <laughs> The the heart's got to pump pump that shit forcefully down there. <laughs> yeah, like that time that um, we were fucking around at your house, and yeah. uh, I <laughs> ran across your parents' stupid ass waterbed. Yeah, and yeah. I I I mean, under any normal normal circumstances, it would have been like a sixteen dex roll. But yeah. to run across a waterbed is a very nefarious um, piece of business. Because yeah. <laughs> um, most of the most of the the kiddos in the world now listening to this have no idea what a waterbed is like. Because <laughs> yeah, that's all right. All sane human beings stopped using them twenty five years ago. But yeah. um, the thing is, a waterbed is basically a really heavy duty balloon in the shape yeah, of a, a piece of yeah, it's a it's big a sack, sack of water. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a sh- toast shaped sack of water. But in order to contain it, which is much more work than you think, you have to yeah. have a wooden cage around it that is basically the exact same shape as the bed, only yeah. very slightly shorter so that, yeah. you, so that you don't bang into the side of it every time you try to roll out of bed. But the thing is, if you try to run across it like an yeah. uh, ambitious 11-year-old, uh, when you take a step, you might misjudge by an inch, and then when you step forward across it, slam the major knuckle of your big toe into the lip <laughs> of that, like inch and a half of hard cherry wood, as hard as you hard possibly cherry can. cherry wood, yeah. And it was extremely <laughs> painful. It, it, te- it immediately turned like flaming purple and yeah. and bled... <laughs> And here's one of those things. Here's the thing that I don't like very much is when you're it, something is bleeding, but you don't really know the way it's bleeding. You're like, yeah, blood is coming out of this, but from where? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, not, I'm not a big fan. The very end of the cuticle. You will like everything. Yeah, everything around like the, the whole toenail was bleeding. Like everywhere where the toenail yeah. became toe was bleeding. This is yeah. this is how we retain our followers, by the way. And th- yeah. <laughs> that that night in the bath, the whole thing just you know le- left like some um, g- Greek refugees or something. It just the toenail was just like we're done, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah. Uh, God, ah, God. Yeah, I didn't love it, <laughs> but by that time I was resigned to how bizarre and alien. It was a very Cronenbergian experience. Yeah, that that waterbed was strange. I remember they they got rid of it and put a regular mattress in it. And you did not know that, and jumped onto it <laughs> in, in expectations that it would go like flopping. The, yeah, yeah, the, the, go flopping. And it's yeah. just this uh, hard mattress. Launched my, <laughs> launch myself into the. Well, the, the funny part was after you landed, your face was like in a mattress, <laughs> and you made a noise like. <laughs> <laughs> I will take your word for it. I will take your word yeah. for it. It seems plausible. Um, <laughs> Because they are good to flop down onto, because you go, yeah, flonk. Yeah, that, 
The water beds are certainly interesting and awesome, and also impractical and terrible. <laughs> Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me, when he's not stalking his underground labyrinth for delicious virgins, is Gavin. And this weirdo with me, picking mushrooms, is Hess. Uh, okay. Uh, we are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop, unknown to the other presenter, and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers. Quick reminder, please check the Instagram at OopsAllMonsters. Um, because it is a Gavin episode, I have come uh, loaded to bear with a vocabulary. Villainous vocabulary. Yeah, what's this villainous vocabulary word? And uh, this, vocabulary, this vocabulary is a little bit less... Um, esoteric and a little bit more um, relevant to culture and the world today. People may have a sense of what this is. My vocab word is aphasia. Aphasia. Yeah. A-P-H-A-S-I-A. Recently, there was a trending topic in the news that um, Bruce Willis was retiring from acting because he suffers from Aphasia, Gavin. Do you, how? What is your pull for what aphasia is off the top of the dome? It's um, uh, doing what I'm doing. It's it's uh, <laughs> well, it says here disorder caused by brain damage. Yeah, so uh, that affects language and frequently uh, aphasia can come from various different sources, but um, frequently it's associated with dementia or brain damage. It doesn't have to be from one of those, but it has to do with inability to connect words to their meaning or the, yeah. the uh, you know, um, I've... Which I, was hilarious that I had to make sure what uh, I've I have um, <laughs> friends that have suffered um, acute aphasia in, in different circumstances where literally just you hear the sounds of people speaking, but it has no meaning. Um, but yeah. that is, you know, the 110% version. Um, more <laughs> commonly, people will have more um, piecemeal aphasias about dif difficult finding the verb or the noun. Um, I yeah. think it would be not unreasonable to say that I have I suffer from a mild um, uh, neuroendemic version of anomic aphasia which means that I just cannot pull the names for things. Um, yeah. It's like I have the folder in my hand, but the tab where the, the label of the name for it is simply roughed away or gone. We, we spent a good deal of our teenage years um, doing just make-em-ups so <laughs> that we could express ourselves creatively about anything where, like, the connotation was known and, like, the... the um, 
we knew what we were talking about uh-huh. whenever we pointed and directed the attention towards something. So the word for the thing didn't necessarily have to be spo- <laughs> had to be spoken correctly. So we would say, "Meeps me that that shoebox right there." Well, uh, hand me that little darling. Yeah. <laughs> and we would always know what we were talking about. Well, you know that's interesting. <laughs> and that's not aphasia, but I wonder no. if that like didn't help. <laughs> Um, you may be getting toward a point in a way that, um, is interesting in that I I actually think that, um, most of our friends, um, have kind of, um, un, I'll say uncommon neurotypes and that having a plastic relationship with, the naming of things and having a, a fondness <laughs> for neologisms and yeah. inventing language and curious language and um, hyper yeah. po- poetic and um, using breaking and bending the rules as opposed to following the rules um, for yeah. language is kind of an indication that your brain is just doing things in a non-standard way. When my girlfriend's around, I revert to uh, this behavior where I avoid baby talk. But in the coping with not baby talk, I still do make ups So it's um, it's all bebosh in shoe boots and um, th- things like that. Like, uh, what a good bebosh. That's, that's an excellent... Um, Splebich, thank you for handing me the splebich. Uh huh. Um, love you and like crap like that, and it's constant. <laughs> well, um, you may you may seem like a gibbering maniac <laughs> in the moment to a lot of our readers, but yeah, um, I mean words like thingamabobber, thingamajig, jigger, what's a call yeah. it? They, they are yeah. not words that just purely come about for no reason. They are also words that assist people who are having even the most brief version of an aphasia to just get through the yeah. damn day. Um, it, uh, one of the one of the indications that someone suffers from aphasia is they say thingy or thing constantly instead of the <laughs> yeah. noun that they mean to get to as a crutch. Um, so here we are. Aphasia is the inability to recall or understand uh, either written or spoken language due to some some piece of brain business. All right, we're taking way too much time. How villainous. Up front of this game. A villainous amount wanna, of time. That's all right. Steal because from my your subject, Gavin. Tell me, what are we my, doing? Well, now, that's fine. My monster is crunchy, but it's not that chunky. Okay. Um, crunchy, but not chunky. All right. Um, well, tell us, how are we going to get into, uh, this monster? I guess you could imagine, if you will, that you're, you are some kind of race and some kind of class. No. From a fantasy medieval world. Let's get racial. Um, and yeah, classist. I've given you your first clue. Okay. <laughs> yeah, classist and racist. Okay, so, um, whatever race and class you are, you can go ahead and make one up right now if you want. Okay, is this in a, a um, fantasy or a sci-fi or a other context? It is a fantasy medieval world. Unimaginable. All right, I'm going to say <laughs> I should have been prepared for this given what I did to you last week. Can I go what, loose butthole or should I stay tight butthole? It's probably not going to matter. Okay, great. Then, the I, then I'm going to say 
I'm a flind, meaning I'm I am a <laughs> yeah, I am a yeah, the, super knoll. The knoll captains. Yeah, I'm yeah. the the cool uncles of the knoll. Um, All I'm right, a flind so, ranger. All right, you're a heroic flind ranger giving you your first clue, which matches appropriately. You approach the inn in which you are to acquire your further instructions on the Save the Princess quest. Um, As you enter the inn, the bartender gestures you towards the bar. You sit down and order your Flind Ale. Uh, People seem to be fine with you being a Flind, because I didn't write it for (laughs) Okay. Um, An old man at the bar tells tale of a dishonored and evil champion from ages ago who held lordhood over the land from the now dilapidated and partially destroyed castle on the mountain. Uh, The very castle where goblin bandits made away with this captured princess. Um, This evil champion, the old man says, was once honorable and well-respected until he fell in love with an elf. And he was be and being married himself, the Baron ordered a servant to kill his own wife so that he may be available to the elf elven enchantress. Once the elven beauty swelled with child, the lord of the manor grew jealous and angry, insisting the child was not his, and ordered the elven enchantress death as well. Anyway, that was an interesting bit of history <laughs> about the area. Uh, you kind of shrug that off, get a good buzz on from, uh, I guess, Flynn's drink. Trying to imagine what Flynn's drink. Um, I, I guess gasoline. Um, tears, I guess. Isopropyl rum. Yeah, no, like John Waters movie t- <laughs> Tears. Working your way up the jagged, broken stairs to the castle, several scary but harmless spectral images fly by, repeating a terrible event from the past. A siege laid this place to waste long ago, and the phantasms here tell the story. Angry serfs and hired mercenaries stormed the castle as the mighty and evil paladin cast several spells and sent one of his subjects after another at the angry mob to their deaths. Murderer, the serfs yell. Coward, adulterer, over and over. When you f- suddenly feel a terrifying chill run down your spine and you freeze in place unable to move. You peer upwards upon the broken staircase at the top of it. Skeletons raised from the ground as a loud chant echoes through the makeshift corridor. And at the very top of the stairs, you see a green flame burst into sight. <laughs> It's in the shape of a sword, and behind it, illuminated in emerald, is a huge, terrifying mounted arrangement of armor with a skeletal face expressing perfect hatred. And you are about to lose to the Death Knight. Cool and a <laughs> half. Um, yeah, because I, I was trying to scramble around. I was like, okay, are we doing... Is this Ravenloft? Is this Castlevania? I'm, 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 but um, that makes sense. So a Death Knight uh, within the context of Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, is a is a mighty undead warrior created by gods of death or other malevolent forces. They are most commonly created by from evil humanoids who in life had been 
black guards, fighters, rangers, barbarians, paladins who yeah. have fallen from grace, etc., etc., etc. So it's kind of like the shadow version of a um a, a living scary a warrior of some kind. Yeah, it's it's um the the uh, specifics about where they come from and what they are were way more restricted in like first edition and everything because they didn't want them to just be liches. Right. Yeah. So, sure. So they had to be paladins, and they had to have lost their honor, and they had to have like died horribly uh, without redeeming themselves. And um, uh, yeah, they were basically like, like if a wizard was going to turn himself into a lich, then a paladin is going to turn himself into a death knight. Also, they they weren't made by gods until the Greyhawk thing. They the original story was gonna be that they had to do a ritual and do it to themselves. This is Professor Marmalade, coming at you juicy and flaky from the Mirror Universe racks next to the Mirror Universe Hills in Star City, West Virginia. In the fictional canon of Dungeons and Dragons, Death Knights have two major branches, a bit like sorcerers. First, there are powerful paladins who are overtaken by a dark god and turned into a death knight for the purposes of serving their evil machinations. This version is fairly simple as the god handles basically all of the bureaucracy for you. The second version, which is our focus here, are dark paladins who choose to become death knights through a complex and heinous magic ritual. The central aspect of the ritual involves committed a terrible atrocity or crime with your sword, into which your identity and power are forever focused. The awfulness of this act must be truly epic, like killing your family, starting a genocide, or murdering your best friend at their point of most vulnerability. None of that real housewife's garbage, real dark shit mate. Then green hellfire destroys your body and yeets your soul into the sword, turning you into a 20-dice fireball spitting heavy metal mascot to forever trot the earth on a flaming steed. Devil horns. Eat my 20-die fireball, Danny. Eat it with the face you kiss your mama with. Professor Marmalade out. Exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. And have fun with and it. And have All fun right. with so it. So there's... Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... Um it's kind of seems to come out of the greater um, skeleton concept of having a an evil mirror image of player character types, right? Yeah. So your your grand wizard who um, becomes evil through their own greed and ambition turns themselves into a lich, yeah. where alternatively uh, a paladin who particularly during I'll say like second E third E Dungeons and Dragons was really um, a pinnacle of personifying old timey mid twentieth century mid twentieth century ideas about medieval chivalry yeah. and courage and piety and all that kind of like stiff upper lip um, you know purity and virtue Michigas yeah. that we were like channeling into concepts of warriordom and knighthood that yeah. is the antithesis of that right like the yeah. taking of that and the evil corrupted version of all of those things yeah cool 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 Living it, loving it, laughing with it. the added specific of being undead. On um, first glance, uh, if you only have one image to go off of, it could be easy to see a Death Knight on paper in illustration and say, like, fancy skeleton. Yeah. But a, a Death Knight is um, entirely 
a couple of orders of magnitude vastly more powerful and oh, intense yeah. and rich of a thing. Yeah, they they streamlined them, I guess, is the best way that I could put it for 5th edition. There are major uh-huh. changes. Eat my 20-die fireball, Danny. In advanced D&D, they had a 50-foot radius of paralyzing fear. Um, they, were, uh-huh. they were able to cast a 20-dice fireball once per day. Um, they cast spells like a paladin. They came with uh, at least a plus three sword. They were 75% resistant to magic. They had like 90 hit points. It was They had genius intelligence. Uh, now they kind of just made them tough with some generic spells, and they replaced the fireball with a thing called Hellfire Orb, which is almost the same thing. I'm debating if it's more powerful or not. It seems to be more powerful than a 20-dice fireball. But um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I mean, just in general, when you say streamlined, you know, there's a lot, there was a lot of work in particularly 5e to yeah. uh, intensely funnel... Yeah. The work the work of the DM into like okay just pick your damn uh, monsters you yeah. don't have to pick your monsters and then go and like stat them out for half an hour yeah because m- mostly mostly what they reduced was all the st- all the damn spell casting because the death knight could cast like priest spells paladin spells wizard spells yeah yeah, and, yeah. I think second through fourth it was a real <laughs> real he was a real chunky boy in terms of being able to walk in and just totally wreck um, a whole party. Um, I'm noticing here that um, in, at least in the illustrations of the death Knight in the D and D canon that like you have a real, you have a real range. And if you find the midpoint uh, where if, if, if you look at the three D, the three edition image, he's kind of standing holding like a Conan sword, like his like a like a non subtle penis. In, yeah. And it's kind of a it's kind of like a halfway like um heavy metal halfway dark sun. Yeah. Kind of almost almost kind of like Gith Yankee kind of vibe here with with it's totally different. Oh yes it you know it doesn't have this kind of like noble aura that a lot of the other yeah. Images have it's very much more like what's his name for Megadeth or whatever. What's that guy called? Oh shit! I always get Eddie and uh, Evil Dave or yeah. Um, <laughs> well, there's there's Eddie and um, Sassy Eddie, Victor, Vic, Vic, Vic Slice, Vic Rattlehead, Vic Rattlehead, yeah, illustrated skull mascot of Megadeth. It's got yeah. it's it's it seems like somebody really. Uh, really went as far toward the poster store uh, uh, yeah. or the posters in the Sam Goody 1996 vibes as they could with this um, third edition picture, which is like, you know, it could kind of, it's very bitchin' van art, I guess. It's, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, this one, <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, particularly that image, whereas in the beginning there was a, uh, you know, in first edition, there's this kind of classic first edition black and white, yeah. um, back of the trapper keeper kind <laughs> yeah. of conceptual yeah. um, pen and ink stippling drawing that has yeah. vibes of of devilry and darkness to it, but it's kind of aloof. <laughs> and then second second edition has your more traditional. 
like metal, like, hey, I'm a guy. Ah, yeah. Skeletor, <laughs> I'm going to get you. I could write a book about what you don't know. And, and then third edition, very Vic Rattlehead. Fourth edition is, is literally like a skull in plate mail armor wielding a glow yeah. stick bastard sword against yeah, like a, against a, a, hot, elf. a hot, hot elven babe <laughs> yeah. who's obviously like um, um, using one of, you know, using the dodge action or cutting action to, to, yeah. to get out of the way. That's very fourth edition. <laughs> and then fifth, fifth edition, fifth edition as is apropos with all of fifth edition is kind of looping in like yeah. ex- extra European, like, Things where this guy appears that he could be on either side of the Crusades. Yeah, um, he could yeah. be any. He could be any race. Um, he yeah, maybe do doesn't even have that. a skull in there. It's also and I, kind and I of don't a and I don't mean that in a to, bad way. Like yeah. it's kind of it's kind of got a night. It's kind of got like a spooky Knights Templar, but um, you know, multifaceted and very visually compelling kind of feel to it. Yeah, it's also it's also like a return to what the first edition looked like. Like Yeah, it's true. It it is. It's kind yeah. of wow. Yeah, it, yeah, if you back to back them, which I'll yeah. have to do in the Instagram later on, there it's really is like one is like the the illustrator and I'm I have to become I've watched that damn documentary about the the Dungeons and Dragons illustrators, but thanks to my anomic aphasia, I never have the fucking name of anybody uh, on the tip of my mouth to to. But I, but I reckon but I recognize Ross. these illustrators. Ross. Yeah, Ross. because this original one E guy is very famous. Yeah, and and. I, I kind of wonder if he looks at these five edition ones. He's like, "Oh man, yeah, I wish I could have done that. <laughs> that looks yeah, cool as yeah, hell. Yeah. It's like a two thousand dollar oil painting. You know, it's it's got very big, like, um, well executed Vigo the the Carpathian five. Yeah, now an I, updated version. On a mountain of skulls in the castle of pain, I sat on a throne of love. I gotta say the the um, the main art picture. I guess we're looking at the same wiki, like the Forgotten Realms wiki. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, the main picture for each edition kind of sums up the edition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It you go you go from basic and kind of like hey yeah. into like hi I'm a roadie for ACDC then to like it's time to fucking rock everybody and then yeah. into and then into blacklight poster yeah. and then into like and now we are serious and non specifically ethnic yeah um, which is kind of yeah. the history of D&D in um you know five points <laughs> is yeah. is basically basically those things yeah, I would. This is perfect too. Yeah, I would say first edition is like, I did this in my basement and it's still damn good. Yeah, and then hey, guys. Second, yeah, What's second hey. edition is we've added a bunch of stuff to this and the quality's a little bit better. And then third yeah. edition is let's go balls out crazy with this and just make everything <laughs> yeah, insane. Yeah. Fuck it. Third edition will be like, what if we gave the books meth and acid? We're like, yeah, yeah. You know what? Doesn't D and D doesn't have enough? Ru- uh, don't have to have enough of like oil painting and rules. Yeah, yeah. more rules, then, more painting. Yes, yeah. yes, then, yes. 
the fourth yeah the fourth edition picture says we're kind of confused about what we're trying to do but let's try and incorporate like an example of what the rules are <laughs> yeah for, for, fourth edition is we're gonna jump the fucking shark so half of these people go and carl make their own game called pathfinder <laughs> yeah <laughs> Or you can just live in a blacklight painting for the rest of your life and, and you know, add 17 different numerics to D20s. Yeah. And then fifth edition is like back to, back to form and refined. <laughs> yeah, it's like the adult version of first edition where instead of, yeah. hey, you guys, it's like, hey, welcome to yeah. the lair Hello. of the Death Knight. Yeah, welcome to Death Knight. Thank you for rejoining us. Sorry about second. Sorry about third and fourth edition. Those guys are nuts. Yes, please make three different saving throws at your convenience. <laughs> I'm about to perform some legendary actions. So, Gavin, what are the abilities that a Death Knight have that that make it so much more harrowing than coming up against? A standard Ray Harryhausen. Uh, I'm sorry, because I got a oh. I got a bunch of comparisons between them and liches. Because there's okay, a lot. Well, we could do it that way. I mean, yeah. I, we could do it. Yeah, I mean, if we were to triangulate, we'll, we'll just we'll say it this way: If you triangulated a skeleton, a death knight, and a lich, yeah. how can we understand that triangle and where the where the death knight sits as an un, an undead uh, creature that is roaming the world and committing acts of evil violence? Okay, well, a um, a lich has a phylactery where its soul lives. Um, yeah, it's so like a it's like a little tamagotchi where it keeps its soul so it can live forever. Yeah, and so it has a weakness. Like, um, if you destroy the phylactery, you can destroy the lich. Well, so does a death knight. He keeps his soul in his sword, but his sword cannot be destroyed. And if it is damaged or destroyed in some magical way. The Death Knight can restore it at will. <laughs> that seems like a little bit of a, 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 a infinite trapdoor. That seems a little bit unfair. <laughs> yeah, the but kid, the also, kids would call that a little bit OP. Yeah, but to balance that out, you can kill a Death Knight by killing it. But to, uh, I will be <laughs> yeah. killed by death. Okay, I see. Um, yeah, and, like zero and hit points, and they have really high—they really have high, really high voices. Yeah. <laughs> they talk like a throwaway character on South Park. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Books are the real treasures of the world. Can be killed by regular death is um yeah yeah uh, in, in terms of um, top shelf undead um, noteworthy, you you can just chop them up. If yeah, you, if you got a real good chopper, and uh, clerics. Um, cannot turn or control death knights, but they are affected by holy word, whereas liches are not affected by holy word, but can be turned and controlled. So there's okay. a little bit of confusion there. A little um, bit of a little bit of a little <laughs> a little bit of an in out opposites deal. Yeah, yeah, it's they're they're pretty much. Um, there, there's a bit of a there's a bit of kind of like a yin yang between. Yeah, the it's a yin yang with the a lich. lich. Yeah, it's like wizard paladin. Pretty much like and uh, and with the Death Knight, my understanding has been historically that uh, the emphasis on them being chaotic, chaotic, evil, uh, corrupt. It seems to be a mix depending on the edition because there's a, there's a lot of chaotic evils here. Yeah, in, in third yeah, edition where too. they have this like um, horny wordle grid of what what you can be alignment wise. It's like all of the evils. 
Um, and fourth edition is just evil, um, which is means the same thing. So yeah, yeah it's it's interesting because also. Um, as we mentioned before, D and D has has this odd relationship with uh, alignment, where it is is kind of stopped having much relevance, uh, up except in very rare cases of specific magical items, um, yeah. except for narratively informing you, which I think is its primary purpose nowadays. I I really w- I, I really like alignment in terms of character anchoring and saying like, okay, I can think of myself as being someone who conforms to society standards or not. And someone who is self-interested or interested in the benefit, the benefit of the general good and everybody else, or you kind of a middle point in either of those. And it's useful, but it is become mechanically really just a gizzard, uh, an, an appendage that has no job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I've I've thought about this. I've thought about this a lot, and I would say that people um, really didn't want to incorporate into their games and like relate to their characters. Um, uh, uh, this this uh, medieval morality system of like I am lawful good, like I I vanquish evil. I I give to the needy. Um, all of my things are done for charity, and I own people and I kill things. It's yeah. like yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and um, I think that was like a major part in alignment being like, well, if you're lawful good and you certainly do own people and and kill everything evil then people might have like like uh hang ups about that so we'll just kind of put it into miscellaneous narrative helpful thing rather than de- like depend the game depends on it yeah for sure um yeah. yeah i i just i this is a case where i want D&D to improve it but i also don't have a better suggestion which is yeah. which is which is <laughs> yeah. not a which is not a broad category because i like all 40 year old white men generally assume that when i dislike something i could easily with no effort improve it given my <laughs> um, uh, immediate <laughs> suggestion of the first thing that crosses my mind but having having given it more games. than 0 minutes of thought i actually don't I don't know how I would rejigger the uh, system of um, good, bad, chaotic, and or, or otherwise. Uh, I I want it to be. I want it to matter, but I also yeah. don't want it to be gamified in a way that is troublesome. But anyway, that's another. I I know what I'd do. I kind of had a system. Which what is, would you, um, What would you do? I would say that. Um, I I would go back to the masquerades thing and uh, characters would have like a nature and a demeanor. Oh, okay. All of the things that they do that are uh, against what they want to be, which happens constantly. I would like make a penalty for that because you know, people, if they want to play alignment should play the alignment. (laughs) So rather than, rather than making it not use like certain magical items or straight up alignment change 
I would yeah. put like a, a hindrance system on it. I'm very reluctant, and I think a lot of game designers are also very reluctant to punish or reward for yeah. self actualization related to morality. Because yeah, I think that's I, also that's what I would do, but also I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. Uh, <laughs> what I mean is that's what that I'd replace alignment with present. if I had to. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, there's fine a, the way I think that is. there's a reason that D and D has uh, imported flaws and and personality quirks and yeah character relationships in a way that is more um, gamified and tangible. Uh, you know, the background yeah. the background is not a thing that has always been relevant in D and D. But um, uh, let me ask you because we're we're getting into the D and D woods when that's not necessarily where our audience wants us to be. Um, does the death is the Death Knight a creation of D and D or does it harken back to some previous literary or cultural concept that D and D resurrected, so to speak? I think I might know where you're getting to here. Yeah, it's obviously the Nazgul. Okay. It's gotta be. There's the 50-foot radius of paralyzing fear, the nightmares they ride on, um, the 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 fact that the first uh, Death Knight and Greyhawk had a bunch of Death Knights come with him. Right. Like, like his court came with him, just like the Witch King got everybody else. So, th- so this seems anecdotally to really be a case where, um, you know... These are ring rates, yeah. Yeah, this is a <laughs> porting over from Tolkien and Lord of the Rings in a way that is pretty transparent. Um, where, yeah. uh, you know, it's undead, it's super powerful, it probably used to be a, uh, a powerful warrior... Um, yeah. And we're just going to, you know, turn that into a series of rules that can be played in a in a game. Um, yeah, which and- must have been fun. I would have loved <laughs> to have assigned rules to the Nazgul. Imagine having that job. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's it's both. You know, turning gamifying something, um, which is kind of like similar to our point about alignment, but gamifying something. Yeah is it's both satisfying and kind of um, demystifying because, you know, when I think of the ring wraiths, I think of something that is scary because it's it has so many elements of being unknown. And then yeah, yeah, quantifying yeah. it out and saying, like, okay, it can do X, Y, and Z um, is well, that's it's, why the- it's both fun <laughs> and, like, ah, okay, I took, <laughs> took, kind of, took some of the jazz out of it. Yeah, that's why the the fun in it would be designing it, not necessarily <laughs> yeah, <sure>. playing it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I can't remember the last time I would pl- I had a Death Knight in a game that We've, I encountered. There, there was you might have I never have, and I ran a game once. Thank you, Dragon Strike, for making me think that Death Knights were just strong skeletons. Do we have to read a bunch of rules? And I th- threw a Death Knight at at you and Paul. And um, you guys were like level two thieves or something. And I really didn't know what a Death Knight was because I didn't even read the goddamn entry in the monster manual. And I I assumed from Dragon Strike, we were like 14, I assumed from Dragon Strike that they were just really strong skeletons. So I had like 15 of them in the castle. And um, and you guys came across your first Death Knight and then I looked at the at the monster statistics and I went, oh, holy shit. 
uh, no, you guys can't do this. <laughs> First of all, you're already paralyzed, and second of all, it took its three turns killing you. <laughs> I'm tr- I'm trying to um, fushigi ball these like juicy undead testicles of uh, these ideas around in my hand and determine <laughs> what it, what does the death knight kind of like symbolize as if 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 I were to to make it culturally significant because it seems to have as dating back into the you know the world war world war 1 era of the tolkien verse a kind of it does seem to have kind of like a very um strong conceptual anchoring to fundamental ideas i mean like good good yeah. guys turned bad and yeah. um f- falling from grace and becoming a minion of darkness you know, there's kind of a you know I used to be I, I used to be in the army and now I'm a I'm a Blackwater f- mercenary who you know like slaughters yeah yeah, yeah minion slaughters orphans or something yeah I think I think the extra puzzle piece uh, kind of like I said before that that makes the Death Knight um, powerful is that it goes through that process because the Death Knight has to initiate a ritual while he's still alive right. to become a Death Knight. So he's already, like, turning evil, and he's already been corrupted. He's already gone through all of that. But then he has to die. Right. Which is a major... Which is, like, the event. Kind of a... So... I'm kind of like, a big yeah, deal, Death says. Like, finalization into evil. Uh-huh. Is kind of like the added uh, spabooch, which <laughs> is which is a great aphasia. What? Which is, um... <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of what the Lich did, even though he's a spellcaster. <laughs> what that implies to me, because I think in a way that you're, I think in a way you're right. The narratively, the reason that a Lich or a um, or a Death Knight is interesting, as opposed to say like a Mind Flayer in D anD D, is a Mind Flayer just is a Mind Flayer. But a Lich or yeah. or a Lich or a Death Knight has had to consciously um, kind of um, ingest this notion of self harm and and like death and rebirth and resurrection. Which means yeah. that I am going to willingly choose to walk through this bizarre dark portal where the old me will be gone and a new thing yeah. will be real. And that thing's going to be real fucked up and dark. And I don't know if it's going to be pleasant to be that, but it's better than being this, yeah. you know, for reasons. Yeah. And yeah, it's better than it's better than having all of this dishonor from all my jackassery. Yeah. And I think I think yeah. that um, I think it's more interesting a way, in a way about the about the death night, because you can kind of see that a, a wizard becoming a lich has a natural uh, ambitious through line yeah. where you don't yeah. necessarily have to make a hard left turn where you could say that I was kind of on the path to becoming something immortal and impossible and without um, morality this whole time. Whereas a death knight, it seems as if someone had been oriented at least 
nominally about um, about goodness and about righteousness and kind of these old so Socratic yeah. or Aristotic Arist- Aristotelian values. And that at some point was damaged or corrupted. And they went on a tangent in a very, very different direction. And that it was better to embrace that different direction because they could not go back. There was a, there was yeah. a, a, a fork and they took a, an, took an angle on that fork and going back to, um, the idea of being courageous or good or righteous is no longer feasible for one reason or the other. And that, and, and yeah. that nebulous space where that turn exists, I think makes liches and death knights more interesting than something that just comes out of the oven baked evil because the, yeah. the, 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 the glowing spaces where the eyes should be in the blankness of the face, um, comes to symbolize like the, the scrubbing away of that there was a real person. And now instead yeah. there is just this, this, there is the decision, the decision with a capital D is what you have in, in, in you know, in yeah. replace. It, it would be, it would be decisive in ordered because like, like a lich, um, probably would make that decision based on ambition or like, uh, like a lust for power. Whereas like a death knight, came from like a military background where everything is ordered and everything is in line and done like every decision is done so precisely in in order to like facilitate continuing to win and that includes like uh yeah uh doing everything by the book like still still not stabbing anybody in the back or anything like that um deciding that this is the path i'm gonna take i do have to go and die and come back and that's the way it is yeah because there's um yeah yeah. when you put it that way it's interesting because it i can see how becoming a death knight um hmm a death knight then in that case becomes an embodiment of a series of warrior values extended into infinity as opposed to an yeah. individual with a personality and a and a narrative like through line where instead yeah. like they're just a series of like values and processes that have been like yeah. kind of you know pulled pulled back like the you know the kind of like um, zip car toy that runs on the floor of your kitchen and then fired yeah. infinitely, ac- you know, across this frozen lake where they are just going and going and going until something hits them that causes them to be destroyed. It's kind of the, like the, yeah. the soul of the person that was the, that was the death knight before their, um, before their turning, is no longer really relevant. It's just they are now an extension of the yeah. values of yeah. kind of war itself. Yeah, because their their armor is still like um even though it's singed from the from the balefire that creates them, it's still like put on, donned properly. It's still like maintained. Uh they they still take care of their horse. They still keep their castle. They keep their castle in order and everything like that, as if they were still like a, a military commander. Yeah, no, that's um, that's it's interesting. Yeah, it's very that's very interesting also because it lives in this twilight of um, 
that is distinct from, um, I mean, there are definitely certain undead that also live in this twilight, but, you know, say a skeleton or a zombie or a ghoul um, is kind of just haplessly meandering, you know, literally, (laughs) you know, bouncing off of tables and walls in what, you know, foolishly (laughs) through whatever space it occupied at the time that it was resurrected. Right. And then uh, on the, on the opposite end, a lich for instance is, um, you know, to a great extent, a lot of, a lot of the personality of the individual that created it carried over, but corrupted and their goals and machinations are carried forward where the death Knight is kind of an odd, um, an odd place where the bubble sits in the middle where they don't have all of the ambitions of a lich who, you know, might have these ideas of, you know, national takeover or revenge or whatever. Instead, they're kind of going through the rote processes that define them and their occupation, um, but they're not banging off of tables and eating mice. It's kind of an an odd. It's an interesting middle ground um, that their where their their role in life defines them and causes them to have been lost as a person. Which I'm sure that there are other like undead and fairy examples like that, but nothing is nothing is coming to mind right now that is you know something that's kind of going through the motions that relates to their their. their living experience, but I know that's a category. I guess it like f- phantasms. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, that's. A, that. I mean, I mean, yeah. it is kind of more of a ghostly trope, right? Where, um, that yeah, you would, that you would have is. kind of a um, a Sims or an NPC like um, you know chump routine where you know it, un- yeah. until the PC shows up in your chunk of game. You just go through this same rubric of these like f- like f- three actions, and then when the PC shows up, you you know you add one more action, <laughs> and that's really all that yeah. you have. <laughs> yeah. And the yeah. and the and that's um it's interesting because the Death Knight kind of is in that zone. The, all the Nazgul are named Agmar, the Dark Marshal. Camel. No, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> Narzugar, um, <laughs> Narzugar, the betrayer, the she- the undying Drimmerlarkamark. <laughs> oh, I love the him. Tainted Umbar. I love him. Yeah, I love Tainted Umbar. <laughs> That's what the Flynn drinks in the bars. Tainted Umbar. <laughs> Tainted Umbar. That's what. That's what Flynn's drink. Well, back in the day, they had um, power word and power word kill. Uh, symbol of fear, symbol of pain. Um, they can dispel magic, detect invisibility. Um, it constantly generates fear in a five foot radius, paralyzing fear in a 50 foot radius. I'm always walking um, around the school, like casting detect invisibility. It never does me any good. <laughs> I've only caught one gnomish rogue this whole time. And it's been like years that I've been casting it. Just like spamming it every hallway. Like, Detective visibility, detective invisibility, detective visibility. No, it's just a just a bunch of perverts and halflings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like go, go on your way, pervert. 
You rascal. Why are my drippings with goo? The Death Knight in um in fifth edition and like other modern games like WoW and I'm assuming like anything else that takes it borrows from D and D. Uh, it's all about the sword. Like, they made a bigger and bigger deal out of the sword until it's like a a plus five soul-carrying, necrotic-damaging point-of-the-whole thing. Right. You're saying that a a fantasy Uh, game made the, like, um, sexual symbol of the big scary guy the focus of the whole big deal in a way that was disproportionate and unnecessary? I cannot fucking believe it no i'm not saying it's disproportionate or unnecessary i'm just saying they um uh slimmed it down from spell casting and like fear inducing to uh awesome yeah no i mean there's a practical reason for doing that also is kind of yeah 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 yeah. uh, is it gamifies in a way that is um tangibly simple and it narratively you can you can say like, well, if you could get the sword away from him, it gives it gives the yeah. player characters a kind of actionable piece of business that makes the character like yeah. more interesting to engage with. So um, that that's sensible. Oh, yes, I think though. Yes, the, the joyfulness is over. All right. Well, I don't think it's going to be. Exactly, the House of Commons for us to ask, is it bitchin' van art? Um, <laughs> obviously, it is no punches thrown necessary. Is it, is it, is, 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 is it bitchin' van art? There is no, the, the Death Knight yeah. was made for bitchin' van art. Um, it, yeah. it is, uh, it, uh, it's probably going on. Um, you know, Mount, it will probably make our, we could make our own Mount Nightmore of things that are at the top of bitchinist, vanist art. I would put the Death Knight right up there. Of, of all of the things that we've covered, yeah. it might even be at the top. Um, yeah, I don't have the, yeah. I don't have our list. In yeah, front it of is. Here. It's more so than the Lich. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, it's riding a nightmare horse. Um, it's on fire. Yeah. It's got a sword. It's, it's a, a skeleton big sword. It is a. It is. Yeah, there's a castle behind yeah, I it mean, the, I, that it owns. I, right now, I'm going to say the Death Knight is the leader for bitchinist vanist art on this show. Hot dog, Frankenfurter. <laughs> I still love the idiot. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're very happy. You're happy with it. We got a lot. Yeah, I'm very, very happy with the idiot. It has a juice. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, a lot of that work is done by the, you know, Rocky Horror itself, but um, it's, it's yes, got a juice. That's true. It's got that's a true. juice to it. Go back and listen to the idea. Go back and Let, listen to yeah, all listen of them. To, just, just open your Spotify and put it on repeat all and just let it roll and roll and roll. Uh, get our. There's some good ones. I'm, I'm, I'm a little proud of, uh, proud of the good. show. I'm proud well, of the show. Speaking of which, we're um, honing in on being in the vicinity of one year of episodes. Um, da, 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 da. Sphincters open for whatever, for interesting, <laughs> interesting developments for your ear for sphincters. En- for end of year uh, content. We are we are in the home stretch here between now and fifty two, which is a year's worth of episodes. Everybody, if you can believe that shit, 
And now, the segment on the show we call Gary Newman, Ken Ku Artificer. Oh, I know this guy. I know, I know this weird guy. Wow. Uh, wow. So, as you. Gavin, as you're industrial beatboxing away in response to the image of our new describing segment, introducing, we're back to hashtag describing bitches, strap in and polish your kneecaps because we have a new describing. Um, I'm calling this, instead of describing Nick Cage, I'm calling, Nick Cage? Who's Nick Cage? Uh, Nick, instead of describing Nick Cave, I'm descri- I'm calling this segment hashtag Gary Newman Kenku Artificer. <laughs> what I've realized is that my my good personal friend, um, pop industrialist, uh, avant garde synthesizer hoarder, um, old man English nonsense speaker. Guy obsessed with cars, uh, 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 amazing, uh, you know, rock performer Gary Newman um, just has in his um, modern late goth phase really embraced a kind of bird wizard energy that cannot be stopped, will not be stopped. Um, he's on his eighth solo, eight, I'm sorry, not eighth so- solo album, 18th solo album. Yeah, 18th, yeah. In 2022. Yeah. I've seen him in concert, I think it's three times? I think it's three. Uh, I think it's three times. It's either two or three. I don't know if I'm going to see him in concert anymore because it's good, but it's, you know, there there's some bands where you see, and when you see him in concert, it's just, you know, it's just more of the same. And he's he's really yeah. good in concert for a guy that is not super young, born in 1958 as Gary Anthony James Webb. Um, for those of us who are not over the age of 38, Gavin, who the fuck is Gary Newman? Gary Newman uh, is not a lover. He's not a friend. He's a new romantic. He's here to serve me. <laughs> um, Gary Newman... Well put. Was an 80s, uh, well, new romantic, I guess you would call it synthwave or just 80s music uh, star. Yeah. Um, even though he started in the late 70s. But he became famous in the 80s, particularly with his song In Cars. Yeah, Cars is, Cars uh, is his kind is of like about, one notable mega hit that everybody yeah. knows that even if you've never heard it from any other context, you've heard it, heard it in a fucking Volkswagen ad or five. Yeah. It is just yeah. so useful because of its um, chunky analog beats and reference to cars that people don't seem yeah. to investigate at all. But it, it's it's hooky, and <laughs> it's it's got that fat English beat of you know uh, synthesizer makeup weirdos from 1982. Yeah, from from what I understand from the rumors, it's about how he's lying about being a Harrier pilot in the Falklands War. <laughs> Is that what it's about? Because he. It, yeah, because he's safer in a car than he is in a fighter pilot oh, or in a in a fighter. I mean, because I yeah, I, I have then, always kind of narratively analyzed it as a, you know having a you know about being 
a, a relationship of self-perception versus being perceived by other people in your life, but I didn't realize there was a specific narrative hook like that that might be the case. Yeah, well, there's, there's like, I don't know if it's rumor or if it's fact, but um, he may or may not have claimed to have been a Harrier fighter pilot in the Falklands War, and he, in fact, was not. I see. And suggestions that in the song um, down in the park where he says little white lies like I was there um, refers to that little fiasco. I don't, I don't know. I've always found it to be um, worthless to try to actually extract any meaning from anything Gary says. Yeah. (laughs) One, because half the time he's speaking kind of uh, a middle British mumblecore language that is his own, seems to be his own personal, like, anti-London accent that I don't quite get. And two, his lyrics are kind of very abstract frequently and reference, you know, they're not quite Beck, you know what I mean? They're not, like, lubing up the corn in Spanish, but they they don't, they're also (laughs) not, like, you know, I went to the park and there was a kid there with an apple, you know, like, it's just, it is, it is very kind of disconnected, um, you know, like, I... Trying to figure out what the hell down in the park is about was not on my radar. I it, I think it's I think that rumor is like some type of like goth industrial make them up. Yeah, probably because... they probably just assembled it with <laughs> yeah. with the bricks of known things and rumored things because he is a guy. He is a, he is <laughs> yeah. an Air Force pilot. He was an he was an yes. RAF pilot. <laughs> Um, and, uh, he also kind of gets knocked around on the internet because I think he has kind of some odd right wing, um, opinions about, about shit in 2012 (laughs) or something. I, I'm not going to ruin my absolute (laughs) love of Gary Newman by, I, you know, reading his tweets about the deficit or something. I don't, I just don't want to know. Yeah. Also. Yeah, there's a lot of like uh English politic things where their right wing is a lot more um bureaucratic and um just alien to me as the American right wing, which is yeah, um, you know, yeah, the it's strapping right wing. bombs to themselves and 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. running running directly the, into a post apocalypse movie. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a different thing. Yeah, D- the the right and yeah. left wings of different countries are a whole different <laughs> ball of wax. But um, yeah, like his his. <laughs> His his belief in like um, f- financial backing for whatever house, um, y- you know, is a lot different from like uh, I'm gonna die with my gun in my hand. Yeah, they don't have a lot of that in in um, Manchester. Uh, yeah. So, um, how would you describe the pictures that I dropped in that are fairly indicative <laughs> of Gary's modern um, kind of promotional presence? <laughs> which is really was my inspiration specifically for this segment is Gary has kind of been on this track for about 10 years. Yeah. I mean, he's been going on this track for since we were in high school. Um, he released a really well, yeah. influential album where he went, I think he had a midlife crisis and unlike most people's midlife crisis, he went, Oh, am I goth? Because uh, the thing is, yeah. he kind of has been goth since before goth was a thing. 
you know, he's yeah, he's, he was he's been wearing romantic. all black, white pancake makeup, you know, raccoon eyes, yeah. weird, uh, you know, weird tall boots, um, standing behind the synthesizer, you know, vamping and making unintelligible sounds behind, you know, a smoke machine since that was a thing. I mean, there are whole chunks of that yeah. that he invented. So to say that he went goth is kind of a little bit um, cart before the horse in a way. Like, um, like goth <laughs> is kind of Gary Newman, not, not contrary wise. Yeah. I don't know. To, when our experience of it is he came out with a really goth album in like 95, I want to say, that that, yeah. that slid itself right in there between the Depeche Mode and The Cure in our six disc changers for a lot of us. And then yeah, he yeah, also yeah. revamped his persona to kind of have this like, you know, Star Wars Empire insignia and... Um, yeah, big puffy <laughs> shoulder costuming, standing in a broken yeah. desert, you know, leaning against a ghost that was never there kind of attitude thing. Yeah, weird, like, defeated Harkonnen yeah, prince. Yeah, that's absolutely for sure what it is. And that's, uh, that's what gets yeah. me toward um, hashtag Gary Newman... Kenku artificer, which is, it just, he, it just has this kind of like, um, if I, if I could be 200 Ravens in a coat, I would yeah. already be 200 yeah. Ravens in a coat. Don't try to stop I, me. I love your, your, your bird thing with him. Cause I get, I get a similar thing where, where it's clear to me that he's trying to portray himself as a fallen angel, which is similar to a bird wizard. <laughs> On the trajectory that Gary Newman has been on, in about 25 years, he's going to yeah. be Chamberlain the Skeksy from Dark Crystal. He's going to be ru like yeah. running around in whatever cathedral he lives in outside of London going like, please make peace. Uh, you know, he, he, he is yeah. curling in on himself a little bit like Mac the Knight, the old um, uh, uh, under underwhelming <laughs> mascot for buying... <laughs> McDonald's at midnight in um, <laughs> Steubenville, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but all of this, Gary. It's, I'm not punching up at you. I love you so much. You're uh, you have you have created oh, yeah, so yeah. much joy in my life, particularly. Um, you know some of your older shit, like I Dream of Wires. Gavin, have you ever heard the um, Robert Palmer cover of? I Dream of Wires, which is a Gary Newman song. No. The, 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 yeah, I, know. I mean, um, Robert Palmer, no. the big 80s <laughs> hit machine. Yeah. Um, who unfortunately died in the 90s. Um, Robert Palmer, yeah, oh, Robert Palmer was on the same label. I want to say it was Warner, but I'm, I could, I'm probably wrong. But he was on the same label. Maybe it was Island Records, but I, I have, um, I have a, oh, I have a, um, a copy of the Robert Palmer album that has it. And I really, really yeah. want to know, oh my God, Gary Newman, it would be a dream of you to have you explain the circumstances around which you collaborated with uh, Robert Palmer for this cover. Because if yeah. you, if you look into <laughs> it, Gary's actually playing synth on the cover. So he's in the room. 
Um, you know, this is, yeah. you know, this is like 1983 or something. So they're not sending MIDI files across the fucking Atlantic. They're in the room together. <laughs> and I really want to know, because I Dream of Wires is a classic early Gary Newman track that is envisioning yeah. a science fiction kind of G Terry Gilliam nightmare future where this guy is the last electrician that is alive because we have moved past yeah. things being plugged in and that it's yeah. kind of the musing of this character who no longer has relevance in this world that he's populating and he dreams of wires you know and it, it it's yeah. a it's a very very prescient decades early style of thinking about man's disconnection from reality thanks to technology moving faster than himself. And that is 125% Gary Newman. But then to have yeah. it transmuted into the voice of Robert Palmer, you know, like English Caribbean cocaine fuckboy Robert Palmer, who is at the absolute pinnacle of symbolizing the quote-unquote quote capital B, capital A, big 80s of like the, 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 the chicks in, you know, hot model outfits pretending to play guitar and synthesizer behind him in front of the backdrop and the overproduced yeah. videos. <laughs> and the slick little tie, and the not quite dancing hard enough to look like you give a shit, so you look cool as fuck yeah. videos. It's, it's the, and the yeah. combination of Robert Palmer covering one of these kind of robotic Gary Newman songs is, it's a bit, it, it, to me, it's like James Kirk doing a, a song written by Spock. And the combination is something that is in a in a amazingly triumphant uncanny valley. It's on fucking vinyl, and and you can get it very easily. But I Dream of Wires by Robert Palmer, you just electrifies me. It really gets my um, my hair my hairs up on end. But um, oh, before I forget, this is going to be on a track that my uh, that our um, sharp listeners will have noticed. I am going to also make it a point of saying that Gary Newman is also an alt autistic man. He has talked in briefly in interviews <laughs> that um, he thinks that being autistic has been uh, a advantage for him because he doesn't pay attention to all of the industry crap. He just makes music and tinkers with synthesizers and publishes shit, which is how you get 18 um, solo albums and two albums with a band previous to that made is you're, 
You're not paying attention to a lot of other shit. You're not on Twitter all day. You're just fucking poking at the keyboard and wearing weird raven jackets. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, I'm, I might be hammering on the Gary Newman uh, notes a, a couple of times between now and the end of end of uh, end of this season. But that has been our very. You wouldn't believe the things you they do. You wouldn't believe <laughs> the things they do. Bam, bam. Where the chant is death, 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 death until the sun cries morning. My name is Rue. Yeah, that's that. I, that's that's the section where I get less into it. It's still not. It's still good. But maybe I'm just old and I don't. It doesn't grab me. Maybe if I was. That's it's a great good. song. Maybe if I was. I don't know. It's good. It's right. fucking awesome. What you need to do is play a video game cranking that song on mild sedatives. <laughs> you might be right. And that brings yeah. us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and Gary Newman Raven Artificers. And if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing up all monsters a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you have listened to us on, that helps us a lot. Go to my YouTube channel. It's Gavin Longshanks. There's some stuff on there. I've got some cartoons I've got some on there. Cartoons. I also have a Twitch channel. Share. <laughs> Look for share it. Share an episode on your favorite social media and hit up our Instagram for the images that go along with each episode. Comment on that Instagram. Engage the Instagram. Engage us by sending us emails. In your email, send us uh, role-playing game stories, monster suggestions, anything at all. The email address that you would be sending these things to is oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. That's all one word, oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. And if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund to beat out the horny sound of my neighbor's weed whacker, hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Or if you're feeling really froggy, sign up at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. Lastly... I have to thank my friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found at YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been Hess. And I have been Gary William Philip K. Newman Gibson Dick. And (laughs) we have been down in the park where the bird is in the park fucking angel and something and god most of them about most of them's about angels it's mostly angels it's most, most of them about angels most of them shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, most of them there gary newman's about angels most, <laughs> most of them gary newman yeah, songs yeah, about angels. Like angels and turtlenecks and synthesizers yeah, you know that, that trench coated little weirdo that, sings about angels yeah, i talked to that guy <laughs> for three hours one day on, on the fishing hole he didn't want to say one day but he made any fucking oh, sense just, just like angels just all Angel, Roland, G Sharp, talking about Casio. the ethereal heaven feelings. <laughs> <laughs> all, uh, all kinds of noises come uh, out of that little uh, man. Buku fish down <laughs> there. Buku fish. All right. Gary Newman's. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Oops, all Gary one. Newman's. 
Um, Oops, all laughing at myself. All right. Save, save your track. Owl bears. 43 owl bears.